Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Haley Lucas, and I'm the mentor director at Female Footballers. I was fortunate enough to sit down with Riley Beatty to talk about her experience as a registered dietitian and her work specifically with female soccer players. She's also a registered dietitian for UCLA Athletics, where she works with multiple teams. She's a former soccer player herself, having played collegiately at North Carolina State University, getting her Bachelor of Science in Nutrition Science and Human Biology before doing her graduate work in Nutrition Science and Exercise Science at San Diego State. It's a really great interview. I, it was great getting to know her, and she's an excellent resource for working on fueling and nutrition and all that's involved for the female athlete and female soccer player specifically. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm joined by Riley Beatty, um, who's a registered dietitian that works with athletes at UCLA Athletics, as well as on her own working with female soccer players through her performance FC program. Thank you for being with us today, Riley. Thanks, Haley. It's so great to be here, and I'm so excited to chat with you today. So I kind of wanted to start out with your own soccer career and what your path looked like to playing in college and maybe what the role of nutrition looked like as you were growing up looking to play in college. Yeah. You know, I started playing. Um, I started playing probably when everyone else started playing, like four or five. Um, I started playing like lots of different sports, but I just like loved soccer so much. Um, so all through like, I like middle school and high school like years like you could find me on the soccer field like literally that's where I spent all of my time um I loved soccer so much still do obviously um but yeah my goal when I was playing was you know to, to play college soccer um I grew up in North Carolina so UNC was like right down the road um I ended up going to NC State though so UNC but um you know everybody just was so passionate about like women's soccer in the area and it I just grew up with a really great culture I think that was kind of ahead of its time when it came to soccer like soccer was a really big sport um and again goal was to play college soccer and eventually you know try to make it pro um I committed, I was probably the first person on my team to commit, and I committed to the University of Georgia before I was able to drive, um, so it's probably not the best for my ego back then, um, but I committed and was so, so, so excited. Um, after I committed, I kind of started going through some hormonal, you know, some changes, um, and I remember that I was told by my coach or a coach that was one of mine that if I didn't lose the weight that I had recently gained, that I was going to lose my scholarship and that I would never play at the college level. Um, and as I kind of shared, soccer was my world. So it was kind of, I would say, it kind of like shook things up a little bit. And this was probably my first experience with nutrition and body image. I ended up going and seeing a registered dietitian who didn't specialize in soccer. Um, she was great, she did, but she just didn't really understand the sport. Just telling me to eat, you know, 1,400 to 1,200 calories a day to lose weight, which didn't end up well for me. I ended up kind of almost passing out at practice. And um, through this experience, I started kind of having a restrictive um, relationship with food that kind of traveled with me throughout my time um, at UGA. And then I transferred to NC State after my freshman year. Um, 
my entire career though, I was always hurt at the college level. Um, and I ended up tearing my ACL first game of senior year. Oh. Um, but this really gave me the opportunity to play a different role on my team and, um, you know, contribute to the team in a different way, like not as a player anymore. Um, and kind of through that recovery, I started realizing how important nutrition was. And I wasn't, you know, rehabbing as fast as I could have because I wasn't really feeling my body. Um, and so I started to really get into nutrition. Um, and after that, I kind of realized like I wanted to be a sports dietitian and um, there wasn't really anybody focusing on soccer, uh, especially like female soccer players. So that's, I was like, wow, like nobody's doing this and there's not that many resources available. So now my like goal and my mission is to get information out there and to get the correct information out there because there's lots of shenanigans out there when it comes to nutrition advice for soccer players. Why do there need to be sports dietitians specifically for female soccer players? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, so most of the data that we look at when we look at sports nutrition is actually done in male athletes. And female athletes are under completely different hormonal control. So we react and our bodies you know, react to nutritional approaches a little bit differently. Um, additionally, there's not that much research done in soccer players in general. Um, so really working with athletes on an individualized basis to see like what works for them is so, so, so important. Um, I think also as we look at female athletes, there's kind of this pressure to look a certain way. And I think that the way that we're supposed to look at female soccer players is maybe a little bit different than what's going to help you succeed on the field. That makes sense. And when you're working with teams at UCLA, how do you kind of balance an individualized approach with needing to kind of meet the needs of all the players? Yeah. So it's really, really interesting because in my private practice, I just do soccer players, but at UCLA, I have nine teams um, and everybody has a different energy system. And everybody also um, as a, as at a different level and a different, I would say place of readiness when it comes to nutrition. Um, so first thing, especially with individualized nutrition is like understand where the athletes at. I'll have athletes that know that come into my my office that probably know more about nutrition than I do. And then I'll also have athletes that our goal is, okay, you're not really eating any vegetables this week. So how do we add one vegetable here? How do we fit it into your schedule? Really, I guess, kind of understanding has been really helpful. Um, and then the individualized work is, it's really, really great. And it's just really, sorry, this is such a dietitian answer, but it's going to depend on the athlete. For sure. Um, so kind of tying back to your experiences with the body image, how do you approach that as a dietitian in working with players? Is that a big issue that you see? Um, and how does that impact kind of the um, professional advice that you give? Yeah. Um, so when I, most of the time when I see soccer players, both male and female, we're seeing like underfueling. I like to call it underfueling, where they're not getting enough energy, um, specifically enough carbohydrate to succeed. As a soccer player, basically anytime you step on the field, you're at high intensity, you're what we consider high intensity activity. 
And at high intensity activity, so 85% of your VO2 max or 85% of you can kind of say your max heart rate, you start almost as a soccer player burning exclusively carbohydrate. So for that 90 minute game or that maybe that two hour practice, your body is mainly burning carbohydrate. And what we see is, you know, we've kind of as a society kind of demonized carbohydrates. So I see a lot of soccer players who are scared to eat carbohydrates or not eating enough carbohydrates. Um, and I think that's really, really, really hindering their performance. And I guess kind of you touched on the different, what a body should look like. And does that play into mainly the carbohydrates or are there are other things that female soccer players um, focus on besides carbs? Or is that kind of the big one that you see as a pattern? Yeah, I think carbohydrates is like the big one. Um, I also, we see a lot of like soccer players are very competitive. So we see them, you know, maybe being like, oh, I wish I looked like my teammate or different things like that. Um, but I always try to get my players to remember that there's 11 positions on the field and you're going to have maybe, you know, 18 to 30 people on the team. Um, and you all have a different role and you all have something special about yourself that makes you such a great player. Um, if we all looked the same and we were all the same, like it'd be really boring. And also we wouldn't be able, like there would be nothing that would allow you to succeed on the field, if that makes sense. For sure. And because we, at female footballers, we focus a lot on the confidence, the mental side of it, and particularly starting at a young age, when do you think the nutrition discussion becomes important? Is it at a young age or does it start at a certain time where girls should be focusing on that? The earlier, the better, honestly. Um, and I think too, like there's, when we look at performance nutrition and we look at fueling our body, there's definitely like, like almost like a pyramid or like our prioritization area. Um, and when you're young, right, maybe when you're five to eight, like you're not going to be doing performance nutrition, but this is when a lot of like the healthy habits that come into fueling your body start. So, you know, having that positive relationship with food, not having like restriction, um, not, you know, talking negatively. Like if a coach is like, wow, like I'm feeling fat today, or like, I can't eat that bread. Like that, you know, resonates with a young athlete. Um, so having that really healthy base when the athlete is young, um, and as the athlete starts to, you know, grow and develop in their career and also develop in their personality, um, continuing to reinforce with positive behaviors. Um, but then when you start to be, you know, hit 14, 15, you can start doing some performance nutrition, um, stuff with like nutrient timing and different things like that. Being a professional athlete, nutrition is a very important part of my preparation and career. Do you see differences between the need for nutrition and fueling habits at a young age versus high school, college, and professional soccer? Again, like when you're a high school athlete, you're trying to build those healthy habits. You're focused on your growth, right? So you're focused on iron and calcium, those types of vitamins and minerals to help you grow. Um, and then as you become a college and you become a pro player, it becomes more about performance nutrition. So nutrient timing, hopefully you already have those healthy habits from when you were younger. But if not, right, maybe that's where we have to start. Um, we have to start with that really good foundation um, and then kind of work your way up depending on where you are. So with this players that you work with, say the younger ones, maybe high school, 
Um, how do you work with them in a way where they're meeting their needs, but also they have siblings, the parents, the one cooking, that kind of stuff. Like, how does that all work? And what advice do you have for parents in those kind of situations? <laughs> yes, um, I have had lots of these conversations. Um, so I, I definitely think getting the athlete involved is going to be helpful for the parent um and then also getting the parent like involved as well right so making sure the athlete feels empowered to grocery shop with their um their parent um but then also i guess you know educating and talking with the parents so they also feel involved and understand what's going on with their their child if that makes sense yeah. um in all of my programming and in performance fc i teach my performance plate method which is all about education um, and it's more about empowering and educating the athletes so that they can make healthy decisions. Um, it's not like a strict rigid meal plan because you're not going to, if you have three brothers and sisters, right? Like you're not gonna be on the strict meal plan over here and then your mom's cooking for your three other siblings. Like that's very unrealistic, like that's not going to happen. Um, so empowering the athlete and educating the athlete for like, okay, if your mom's cooking this, this is how your plate should look. If your mom's cooking this or your dad's cooking this, you know, how, how can you pick healthy options from what you're provided with? Or the team's going out to, I don't know, Olive Garden, right? You're from the United States, Olive Garden, right? <laughs> um, um, so that is, you know, a very popular place that people go, but how does the athlete pick something from that menu um, so that they're feeling their body properly? That makes sense. And what would you, advice would you give to maybe players or parents who might not have the resources to work with a sports dietitian? Like what are, or even if they do, what are things that youth players, early college players should really be focusing on that they can control? Yeah. So I, I definitely think it's, it's about the basics. Um, the biggest thing that I see in my like high school and my college athletes is they're just not getting enough fuel in. So I think starting there is really, really, really important. Um, and there's also a lot of people who are giving out like basic nutrition advice um, on Instagram and like on my page, like I'm always promoting a lot of like free education. Um, so following dietitians, like registered dietitians, um, and I'm happy to send you over a list of people that I recommend. Um, I think that's always a great place to start. There's really great nutrition advice on Instagram, but there's not so great. Um, so just making sure that you're um, getting your advice from a credible source. Um, and then going back to like the idea that it doesn't have to be fancy. Um, I work with a lot of college kids and you know, they might have like, they'll text me and be like, okay, Riley, I have a hundred dollars for groceries this month. Like, how do we figure this out? Um, so, you know, looking at frozen veggies, frozen fruits, um, rice, like those are all like cheap options, looking at beans, you know, looking at buying things in bulk, cooking as a household, um, and so just, you know, individual portions, um, meal planning, like that goes a long way. So kind of more about your career and transition from college, kind of moving away to more of your experiences. What was the transition like from being a college athlete to no longer being an athlete? What was that like for you? like kind of weird um like kind of that retirement um process is always interesting um especially when you've dedicated your life and you spent so much time on something kind of moving away um 
but through that kind of transition made me realize like how much I loved soccer and how I was so passionate about like helping people who didn't have the resources I kind of miss out on as well if that makes sense yeah Um, moving into your life as a sports dietitian what does the day-to-day look like um (laughs) it's it's never a boring day there's never a boring day um just remember like how long you are at the field um your dietitians there probably two hours before and after that time as well um so I think it just really depends on where you are and kind of I guess what your team responsibilities are um but I'm often you know I get to work around seven I'll you know help set up our fueling station where athletes you know get their food they get their breakfast um maybe I'll do some admin work I'll catch up with my athletes um every dietitian is a little different on how they approach things but you know I like to when my athletes like rolling out or getting a rehab or something like that I like to check in with them you know hey did you eat breakfast hey did you drink your cherry juice last night like that type of thing um and then you know they'll go out to practice maybe I'll go out to practice maybe I'll do some admin stuff um we have interns here that I kind of manage as well. Um, so I would say that I do a lot of walking around outside my office around practice time. And then afternoon is when um, I'll start doing my admin work. I'll maybe meet one-on-one with athletes. Um, every day is a little bit different, but that's kind of why I also like, I guess, love being a sports dietitian. Got to get the nice variety, mixing it up every day, which is cool. Yeah. So some kind of questions that people might be wondering, we got some questions that came in. Someone said, I find myself snacking a lot. Any good snacks between meals that will actually fill me up? Yeah, great question. Um, so for rec- I never like give rules or anything like that, but just recommendation for snack is making sure that you're pairing two different food groups. Um, I often recommend you know pairing a carbohydrate source with a protein. Um, I think we've all been at that place where maybe we're, you know, eating some popcorn or some pretzels and we keep eating it, but we're never getting satisfied. Um, but, you know, simply adding a protein like a cheese stick or some sliced turkey or something or beef jerky um, can help balance that out and then also help make sure that you stay fueled. In college, what was your go-to pregame meal? So I think I would have annoyed <laughs> myself if I was my dietitian. Um, but I was somebody that was really hard for me to eat before and after a game because of nerves. Um, and so it was really hard for me to eat cooked and anything that was hot before my games. Um, so my go-to was often like a PB&J um, and then a banana and maybe some carrots because that was kind of all I could stomach. What would you now looking back have changed or done differently? Yeah, really, really good question. Um, I think I was close, but I think I was definitely like, I was scared of carbohydrates. I wasn't eating them at the right time. Um, I was really scared to eat any type of protein because I thought I was gonna get bulky. I was scared of eating carbohydrates because I thought I was gonna get fat. Um, so I was offering often like not feeling properly before and after practice. Um, I was like, oh, I shouldn't have chocolate milk or I shouldn't have a protein shake or I shouldn't have a meal after training because 
then I'm going to get bulky, which is not true at all. Um, and I think that really hindered my recovery. Um, additionally, like I wasn't eating before training. Um, and I often wasn't prioritizing, you know, carbohydrates at meals so I could, you know, eat ice cream later, which that's not true. You don't have to do that. You still need to eat carbs at meals. What should recovery look like for athletes that have just gone at a game or a tough practice? Yeah. So usually we recommend about a ratio of three to one carbs to protein. And so you probably have no idea what that means, but so we look at about 20 grams of protein and about 60 grams of carbohydrates. 20 grams of protein is often like just the palm of your hand in um, like a chicken or a turkey. Um, having, you know, a chocolate milk too will also get you about 14 grams of protein and it has about 45 grams of carbohydrates. So that's a really great ratio of that three to one. Um, when we look at carbohydrates, you know, a banana is 30 grams. Um, so you could have a protein shake and a banana and a granola bar. Like that's an easy option that you could have at the field. Um, or having a smoothie is also a really great option. Um, the biggest thing that I see with athletes is they're all about their protein after training, but they miss that carbohydrate piece. And without those carbs, you're not going to be able to properly recover. And so you've touched on the carbohydrates and the potentialness of looking bulky in those kind of myths, but what are other things that you hear and you kind of cringe and you're like, no, 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 no. Like soccer players shouldn't be listening to that information. Um, <laughs> There's, I think, I think fad diets, there's a lot of fad diets out there. Um, and a lot of the time fad diets are focused on decreasing calories. Like that's kind of why they work, right? They're adding some layer of restriction. And I don't know if you remember, but previously I just talked about how the biggest problem that I see with athletes is not getting enough energy and not getting enough calories. So adding on that extra level of restriction or that extra level of some type of diet or guideline um, often just hinders an athlete's progress. Cool. And now on to some fun stuff, because I know that can get a bit intense, but what to, kind of twofold, what is your recommended halftime snack and what was your favorite halftime snack? Yes. Um, so I'm probably biased and I'm probably going to recommend my halftime snack as well, because it was my favorite, but um, like a honey stick. I don't know if you've seen honey sticks. I love a honey stick. Um, a lot of my athletes love gummies at halftime. Like a fruit snack is a great one. Um, or like an applesauce, like a go-go squeeze or like an applesauce, applesauce pouch. Um, if you're new to fueling at halftime or before a game, like I would recommend doing some like type of electrolyte beverage, like doing eight ounces of a Powerade or a Gatorade can also be a great way to start fueling at halftime. So I'm sure some people are like, I'm not going to eat gummy bears at halftime because they're like, what is that? Because that's what we did at Cal and it was so awesome. Like orange slices and gummy bears, you felt like you were five again. But what is the science behind those kind of fueling sources? Yes, um, I've definitely given athletes gummy bears before too. <laughs> and it's fun. Um, so any type of like gummy bear or even like a rice crispy or like an applesauce or some type of fruit is going to be a simple sugar and these sugars are going to be easily digested by your body and then they're, they're a rapid and quick source of energy so at the beginning i kind of talked about you know during soccer you're and during play you're exclusively burning carbohydrate but your body only has a certain amount of carbohydrate it can burn 
So having a gummy or having an applesauce or some type of even like candy or honey stick at halftime will help kind of top off those energy stores. So you have additional carbohydrate to burn. Awesome. Who is your sports role model? Ooh, um, I actually really, really respect Simone Biles, um, especially after what happened at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, her prioritizing mental health has just been, I think, so huge for so many athletes. Um, I love, I love her, like Naomi, and then also Serena. Like I think those, I just admire those three ladies so much. They're awesome. What's your favorite soccer memory from your career? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so there was probably my first semester at NC State. Um, we played LSU and it was one of those games where it was downpouring, like just downpouring rain. It was just muddy. My, the bottom of my shoe like ended up falling off, like the cleat part of the shoe like ended up falling off. And I, we ended up winning the game like one to nothing, but I just remember like us running around and like trying so hard. The game was delayed. It was like 1030 at night. It was just like one of those things from a movie. And I just remember us like winning, like scored like 10, like with, at the 80th minute. And I just remember us like dogpiling and it was raining and muddy and it was just <laughs> so fun. I know we had a similar kind of experience like that where afterwards we were doing like competitions to see you could slide the furthest across the grass. And it was just so silly. Us 18 to 21 year olds just being kids, which is what it's all about. What would advice would you give to your younger self as a female athlete? It can be nutrition related or not. Um, I think like just believing in myself more, um, just believing in myself and then also really focusing on like what I was doing off the field. Um, I never really took rest days, like kind of shared, I wasn't the best at my nutrition. Um, so I think sometimes I was so focused on like the quantity of work I was doing on the field that I might've been ignoring some of the things off the field. Um, so I think that could have made me a, a much better player. Um, also kind of the mental health piece to this as well. Um, I think just all that off the field work. I don't know if it just maybe, again, I'm kind of old. So that wasn't that big of a priority when we, I was younger. And kind of working, the athletes you work with now, how tied are those different elements? Do those things come up related to confidence, related to mental health? Do you see a lot of that? Yes. Um, it is so intertwined. It's crazy. Um, and I think that's like kind of the biggest thing that I've seen in nutrition is it's not about the body composition. It's not about the body fat. It's not about the weight loss, but it's like what the fueling does as like, as it relates to your mental health and as it relates to your confidence. I've seen athletes completely change their body composition and they become such a better player, but it's not maybe because of the body composition change, but it's because of the confidence that has come from that or the energy that you get from fueling your body properly gives you confidence. And that, you know, that cognitive function, um, 
you're also not as grumpy when you feel your body properly, you know, and you're a better teammate and, you know, have better relationships with your teammates and different things like that. So um, I think a lot of athletes start in my office because they have physical goals that they want to achieve. And as a dietitian, like I can help them get there. But I think the biggest successes that I've seen that come from fueling is because of what happens with your mental health and what happens with your confidence. And I guess at what point do you ever have to recommend that they seek out additional help? Or do you find that a lot of those problems are solved simply from a fueling perspective? I think it's all tied together. A lot of the time, if it, fueling can help your mental health, but then also a lot of the time mental health can help your fueling. I think it goes both ways. Sometimes we'll, you know, I'll see athletes and they'll have, you know, eating disorders or some type of disordered eating and having, you know, a therapist that works alongside me as we, you know, are in this fueling journey together is really, really helpful. Um, sometimes it's hard, like this isn't easy. I always tell my athletes, like if fueling was easy, like I wouldn't have a job. Um, but there's sometimes mental barriers that no matter how hard you want to fuel your body properly, you can't overcome without, you know, a psychiatrist or that psychology type help. And just for our listeners who may not know, can you provide the distinction between an eating disorder and disordered eating? Yeah. So disordered eating is like, we kind of look at it as a spectrum, right? So we have, I would say like normal eating on one end and then we have eating disorders on the other end. Normal eating is when you feel your body properly and you have a healthy relationship with food and maybe you don't really think about it that much. You enjoy it. It doesn't stress you out and it doesn't really impair your daily functioning. Then on the other end is eating disorders, exact opposite end, eating disorders. And that's when feeling your body is a challenge and it's difficult and it starts to impact the way that you function as a person. And that is very, very serious. And a lot of those athletes end up in my office, but that is a mental health issue. And that's diagnosed by like a physician or a medical doctor. And then in between there, we have different kind of areas of eating, right? And once we start to see an athlete develop an unhealthy relationship with food, that's when we start to see what we call disordered eating. So it's not necessarily going to be diagnosed by a physician, but it's a a level of eating that kind of impairs an athlete's joy in life, if that makes sense. So they start to start thinking about food all the time. Um, they're maybe not actively restricting, but they're having poor body image and it's kind of affecting their life. Um, so it's, 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 it's kind of complicated. Um, again, food is complicated. For sure. And so I guess if you're an athlete or even as a parent, are there things that maybe you should be looking for if you kind of notice those things going on. I'm sure for an athlete, it might be hard to recognize because it's in your own head a little bit more, but what are potential things that the athlete can do to kind of recognize those things as well as a parent? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, especially with female athletes is like lack of a period. Okay. Um, that's something that's easy to spot, right? Like if you don't have your period, like that's a sign that you're under fueling or there's something else going on. Um, additionally, you know, if your injury risk goes up, like if you're injury prone, if you have poor energy on the field, if you have poor sleep, and then also if you're sick, um, those four things are kind of subjective. Sometimes it's hard, 
Um, but if you start to have that lack of a period or you start getting stress fractures, that's going to be a sign that you're under fueling. And that can kind of be a warning sign. And that can be kind of your first step into looking at eating disorders, disordered eating, under fueling. Um, just because you have an eating disorder, though, doesn't mean you're going to miss your period or just because you miss your period doesn't mean you have an eating disorder. Um, but that can kind of be like the first signal to us that there's some type of fueling imbalance going on or there's something going on hormonally that we need to kind of further examine. So like I mentioned, some people may not have access to those kind of resources to go straight to a dietitian. Would your recommendation to find those free resources on Instagram or kind of what do you think that those first steps should be once they identify maybe a problem that they can hopefully eliminate some potential causes? Yeah. Um, so if you do have, if you don't have your period, the first place I would actually start is going to see your physician. Um, I would make sure that you're going to your physician because it could be like what we call or what we see, um, we call it low energy availability. And that's where that, you know, energy imbalances. Um, but if you are, you know, missing your period, I would go see your physician first. Um, and they can help provide you with resources. If you do have an eating disorder, though, you do need medical and professional help, and you do need something like one-on-one. -on -one. Um, most insurances will cover eating disorder help, um, but you will have to see like a like psychologist, psychologist, and you will see a eating disorder dietitian um, for that. Um, but if you know, if you go to the physician and then you realize, oh, okay, like this isn't an eating disorder issue, you know. You go through the screening, um, looking for free resources online. Um, Performance FC is also like kind of a low budget option if you're interested in learning how to feel your body properly. Um, and then also like, you can always like reach out to me, like <laughs> I'll help you. Um, um, it's, it's, it is very, very, very individualized. I wish I could give you a better answer. No, that is, that is helpful. Cause I think a lot of people don't know where to go. I think as parents, like one, they can kind of freak out. At times, they may be the problem, which we kind of have a hard time um, dealing with when the athlete is feeling pressured, maybe by parents from a fueling perspective and that kind of stuff, which can be difficult. So it's nice for if a parent's listening or a player is listening that they know kind of what they should be looking for and potentially next steps. Um, on a lighter note, kind of what do you hope that sports nutrition looks like for female athletes moving forward? One and two, where do you see your career kind of evolving with it? Yeah, um, I'm really excited because I think we're just getting into women's sports. Like we're we're just like at the beginning and it's just so exciting. Um, I'm really hoping that right now, we continue this momentum of like, how do we make, you know, women, like female athletes or women soccer players, like how do we make them stronger and faster? How do we not just focus on, okay, if you don't get your period, like that's a problem. I mean, we know that, but like, how do we now focus on making them stronger? How do we focus on making them better athletes in a positive way? Um, so that's where I'm hoping things go. Um, like, again, like kind of like performance enhancement stuff. Um, and I also hope that we can kind of like change the culture when it comes to restriction and the pressure that female athletes have on how they need to look a certain way or how they need to act a certain way or, you know, 
you have to look like this so people will come to your games. Like, no, actually, we love women's sports. <laughs> we love that. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, and then personally, like, I want to continue my career on focusing on women's sports, empowering women's soccer players to make changes. And I'm really excited to take next steps into learning more about like the female athlete specifically. So if people wanted to check out your resources, work with you, where would they go? Yeah, the best place would be to find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active <laughs> on Instagram. Um, you can find me at the at Riley, which is R-E-I-L-L-Y dot Beatty, which is B-E-A-T-T-Y dot R-D. Um, I also have a website, which is RileyBeatty.com as well. Perfect. Guys, her TikToks and her Instagram stories are legit. And she's got awesome infographics. Like for me personally, like you're one of my favorite people to follow because it's just simple, easy advice. And like you mentioned, getting it back to basics, like fueling doesn't have to be hard if you don't want it to be. So Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been super fun and it's been great to kind of get to know you as well.